Hello, everybody. Hope you are doing well. My name is Michael Katz. I'm here with Stefan Kreischnick, and you are listening to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. We are uh, currently in two different parts of the country right now. Stefan, how are you doing? Tell me about uh, your little uh, bi-week travel. Yeah, I'm back up in, in Indiana. I'll be visiting my family and friends and stuff like that uh, during the bye week because I haven't seen them in a while, but still working a little bit remotely. I know we'll have availability with Leach later and uh, towards the end of the week. And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Mississippi State's basketball coach, Ben Holland, will ha- men's basketball coach, Ben Holland, will have uh, some type of media availability this week as basketball season is kind of starting to, to creep up on us. So uh, if you're not busy yet, get ready, Michael. But um no, it, it's good. I'm enjoying time with family and friends right now and uh, traveled from Houston, flew to Mississippi and drove up yesterday. So been a been a long couple of days, but it's been a lot of fun. So I'm happy to be home. Is everybody talking about Notre Dame as much as I like to think they are? <laughs> um, well, me and everyone I associate with doesn't associate with Notre Dame. We're Indiana, Indiana University and maybe a couple of Purdue people. Um, Notre Dame is kind of like the rich stepbrother that nobody liked, and um, we're all happy for him and his family that they lost. <laughs> yeah, the, the more I think about it, the more my alma mater, USC, is really just Notre Dame on the West Coast. Nobody likes it. <laughs> it makes a lot. Yeah, of but sense. but Notre Dame's actually been to like college football playoffs and stuff. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> uh, USC has won a national championship since I was born, so I will hold on to that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, a, a pretty wild weekend in the SEC, college football in general. I, I know the reason that we are here is to talk about the Sicko Bowl. I, th- I think we would be <laughs> remiss if we didn't talk about UConn versus Vanderbilt. Game of, I'll, I'll tell you, Parrish and I are driving back from Tuscaloosa, and I demanded in the middle of nowhere where I couldn't get any data, I had to stream it because I had to be a part of internet history. Stefan, what were your thoughts on the game of the year? Yeah, I, I was I wasn't able to catch all of it because I was watching the uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State and Texas A&M, obviously. But I saw the ending, um, pretty thrilling ending. I when I saw the score was twenty seven sixteen, I would have never believed that UConn would make a run. And <laughs> listen, I know it's against Mandy, but those last couple drives for UConn were looked pretty good. Like they they impressed. That's a nice run. A couple uh, a nice catch in the end zone there. Um, so it was a pretty fun uh, drive there at the end, or a couple drives there at the end by UConn. And then Vandy going for it on that fourth and four could easily punt it. I mean, if you don't get that fourth and four, UConn needs a player or two to have a shot at a field goal. I mean, I'm not sure how good UConn's kicker is, but um, you have a chance to win the game if Vandy doesn't convert that fourth and four. They uh, get the first down and then some. And then obviously that pass interference at the end kind of makes it an easy field goal. But naturally, in the way those two teams go, even that easy field goal, um, barely splits the upright. So um, it, it is the game that lived up to all the hype, if you want to call it hype. I think me and you were among the five people that hyped it up. Uh, so it was, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for both those teams because they're involved in a lot of blowouts. And, um, you know, you gave those players the chance to play in a, a tight game situation with the world watching on ESPNU. Um, so it was, uh, it, it did live up to the hype. It was a fun game. The Sicko Bowl, we need a rematch later this year. It's, it's, I, I'm going to need to go back and look at what the, the viewership was on that one. I, I really need to know if it was worth putting on ESPNU uh, at, a, at a time when I imagine <laughs> there were probably better games going on. Um, but, you know, it, it sets up 
somehow the sicker bowl though, because next week, this next week we get UMass and UConn couple of for teams um i'm very disappointed game day is not going out to that one i think that's a big missed opportunity um for them to see another potential game of the century um, well you got you got kirk herbstreet whenever you need him i guess so why don't you call him up and let him know that uh we need them there doesn't return my calls <laughs> <laughs> it's all right maybe call mike wilbon he might have some word at espn oh boy we uh, let, let Lane, Lane Kiffin had himself quite the uh, quite the week. I, I guess we yeah. can. But, 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 before, but before we get into the games that we covered, I think we have to talk a little bit about Florida, Kentucky, because that was a game that me of no belief. I thought Florida was was going to win that one uh, fairly easily. I was not a Kentucky guy. And when we talked last, you you brought up that that was a game I should be watching and. I guess I should have been watching it because Kentucky, uh, <laughs> first time they've won- beat Florida and Lexington since before I was born. That's a long time ago. Don't age yourself that much. Come on. I'm not young. <laughs> I'm not young. No, it was. I, I like, actually caught some of that game because it was on the TV in the um, A&M press box. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we talked last week about how Kentucky was so unimpressive in, in South Carolina and how um, – you no, know, we said maybe it's a game that sneaks up on Florida, but like Florida, I, I still think Florida's probably the more talented team. But um, you know, I, I think that game was kind of just an example of what SEC football is like and how any given Saturday can turn any different way. I mean, we'll we'll talk more about the Mississippi State game later, but Mississippi State was a team on a two-game losing streak, kind of um, you know heading in the wrong direction, going in to face the number fifteen Texas A&M team on the road and Kyle Field comes out with the win, and then you look over at Kentucky, they're beating Florida and. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very top heavy, I think with Georgia and Alabama right now in the SEC, but when you look beyond those teams, I mean, it's, it's pretty open. I'm not to say that, you know, I mean, granted Vanderbilt and, you know, um, South Carolina probably won't be making a run, but just in terms of that competition from like, from the two spots, to like the six spot and, and both sides is pretty open. Um, so it, it kind of sets up for a fun season. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, a lot of people since the college football playoff, a lot of people have kind of assumed for some teams it's a, you know, it's a lost season just because you don't make the playoff. You know, you lose two games and your season's over. It's like, dude, come on, your team's 10 and 2. Like, it's good. And I think that's if, if you care, you know, just about good football, the remainder of SEC play is setting up for that because you have a lot of teams that are going to be competing for higher, you know, bowl bids and, and higher uh, just win totals. Um, and coaches that are probably, you know, some coaches that might be saving their jobs, like Orsharon, or some coaches who are, you know, looking to, you know, confirm that they they should um, probably get fired. So we'll we'll see in, in which direction the SEC play goes. But I think that uh, that Kentucky Florida game was a prime example of um, anything that happened. I mean, Kentucky's undefeated now. We talked a lot about them not looking great at South Carolina. They're undefeated. They keep winning. So. Um, should be fun. I'm excited. I know Kentucky comes to Mississippi State in a couple of weeks, um, so that that I mean that that sets up to be a pretty fun game there. And uh, yeah, it's 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 been panning out uh, pretty much as expected. I think just in terms of like the amount of teams beating each other, uh, maybe not expected in the sense of like I don't know. Maybe people thought Florida would be a little better, especially after the Alabama game. But uh, but it's been fun. It's been fun. I think for me, covering the SEC has uh, lived up to the hype so far in year one. Yeah, I, I think my my biggest surprises this week, and it wasn't that Ole Miss got beat up or that Georgia beat up Arkansas. 
it was that Tennessee apparently is an offensive juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, l- listen, I know Mizzou is not exactly, uh, you know, the, the, it's not the Iron Curtain defense over there, but uh, <laughs> Tennessee, man, they are, I think they are going to upset somebody big this year because they can put up points. I, I, I'm Josh, you know, they can't defend anybody for the most part, but Josh Heupel has, has really at least, and I think Tennessee fans will just be happy. It's a watchable product right now. Right. Uh, it, it, that, that was a, that was a surprising one. You figure with, with that offense clicking the way it can and um, the crowd that they are inevitably, inevitably going to draw at every home game. Like you, you don't particularly want to be going into Tennessee. If you're, if you're a ranked team, it, it's, it's a, you know, it kind of sets up to be a tough environment with a team that can be pretty good at times. Um, I don't think Tennessee's a great team. I had them maybe I might have had them below South Carolina at some point. I won't have them below South Carolina anymore. But, um, you know, they're, they're not a great team, but it's just like it all sets up for them. Like you said, they'll pull off an upset. So I, that's definitely, a, like you mentioned, definitely a team to kind of watch for the rest of this year, just, you know, for a game or two maybe. It's a reminder that you can uh, follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcasts. Also be sure to check out um, our Twitter and uh, our Facebook coverage, you can go to Mississippi State Discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreischnick and the Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz Facebook groups. You find a lot of good exclusive content in there. All right, Stefan, do, do we want to start with uh, get your popcorn ready, Lane Kiffin, or you want to start with Will Rogers' uh, cowboy hat? Uh, let's, let's start with the cowboy hat. I'll let you close out with the popcorn. I, I got to add. I, I got to ask, was it as impressive in person as it looked uh, on Twitter and in videos? Because I was, I mean, that was that was not an average cowboy hat. That was that was pretty impressive. It was, yeah, it was a good cowboy hat. It was a pretty good impression. See, I don't I, Mississippi State in the past has done kind of like cowboy boots, cowboy hat type of little things, you know, just randomly um, getting that little southern thing going on. But um, you know, his hat matched a lot of the hats. Like when I would look down at the press box at the, you know, the sea of the fans, a lot of the similar cowboy hats. I think there was a little bit of a message there. Um, but it was, yeah. When he walked in, I was like, you know, what? like that's sweet cowboy hat. Like that probably cost a pretty penny. And um, maybe I'll have to go buy one myself. Um, Mississippi State plays at Vandy in, in like two weeks, three weeks. So maybe I'll uh, stop by Nashville and uh, grab myself a cowboy hat, I guess. <laughs> What was your biggest takeaway from that game? I know people are saying it was a big upset, but I don't know if anybody who's watched AM thinks that they are, you know, the team we thought they were, but that, you know, given where Mississippi State's kind of been the last couple of weeks, that, that, was, that was a pretty impressive showing. I know, I think it was Cole Kubelik called them the weirdest team in college football, and I think he's <laughs> exactly on point. You just, I feel like covering them, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. See, it was actually kind of funny. My um, roommate from college texted me a couple of weeks ago. And if anybody's watched Indiana football the past few years, it's kind of this thing where they compete to the end with every single good team they play, and then they lose. And then they started winning a little bit last couple of years, now they're losing again. But the moral of the story is Indiana football is kind of chaos. And at some point during this Mississippi State season, my roommate texted me, he's like, dude, the chaos just follows you. Whoever you cover, wherever you go, the chaos just follows. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what Mississippi State has been. It has been a really weird team because, when they lose, you like, you know what? They looked good. They just didn't do a couple things. And then when they win, like that Louisiana Tech game, you're like, well, they look kind of awful in this game. And so it's just like, it, it's such a hard team to predict. That's why I, I think 
I've actually been wrong with every prediction I made this year. I predicted them to beat Louisiana Tech, and you know, but I predicted them to blow out Louisiana Tech. They win by one. I predicted a loss against NC State. They won that game. I predicted a win at Memphis. They lost that game. I predicted a win against LSU. They lost that game. I said they would lose that. So, so basically, to the betters out there, if you ever see me predict something with the Mississippi State game, put your mortgage on the, on the opposite. Um, but I, I guess that kind of goes to show how unpredictable the team has been. But I will say my main takeaway from, from that game at A&M, and like you said, it was it, going into that game, I think everyone felt, you know, if, if Mississippi State's going to win at Texas A&M, that's, this is probably the week to do it. Uh, just because, you know, the way Texas A&M had been playing, and, you know, the backup quarterback in, I think Haynes King is still expected to be back at some point in the season. So, you know, you don't want to face him later in the season if he's back. Um, my main takeaway was that Mississippi State did all those little things um, that it said it needed to clean up, that Coach Leach said they needed to clean up. And I think what, why that stands out is it's an inexperienced team going into that tough environment. And you would think what, what Leach said they needed to clean up was their confidence and their focus, especially in the red zone, especially on offense. And you would think that that recipe going into you know, in front of 90,000 fans probably would not work out well with a team that has two guys that have made like 20 plus starts in their career. It, it doesn't stack up well. And, and they did all those things. And it started with Will Rogers. I mean, I think Will Rogers, the swagger and the cowboy hat aside, was just as confident on the field as he was in the press, press conference. And, and he dictated the offense well, made ag- aggressive plays. You know, the checkdowns worked because they were limited. You know, he, he did the checkdowns at, at a select time and um, and, and did them at the right times, not not just all the time. And it opened up a lot of down the field for Makai Polk, who was just dominant in man coverage. And I think if, you know, teams watch that film, they're not going to give Mississippi State a lot of man coverage the rest of the year. Um, they, they didn't run the ball too much, but the few plays they did, they, they got some good runs. The screen plays were working to kind of make up uh, a little bit of de facto run game for them uh, with Jameer Calvin in the screen game. Everything that Mississippi State had done wrong the past couple weeks, they did right against uh, Texas A&M, which is the reason I think it, it, you could call it an upset because why would you believe that a team could just flip the switch like that? Um, but it does go, go to show that, you know, for some fans it was frustrating to hear how they were one or two plays away from beating Memphis, one or two plays away from beating LSU, and it's like, why don't you make those plays? Because um, people expect Mississippi State to, to win, especially near two under leads. They expect the offense to be clicking more than anything. And that hadn't been the case the, those two games. But I think for a lot of fans, finally it all clicked um, at, at Texas A&M. And I mean, what what an incredible environment to do it in. It, you, you don't, it, it's hard to call it an upset just because I know it's the number 15 team in the nation, unranked team coming in. It's SEC. It's kind of hard to call an upset because I think everyone who's watched Mississippi State knows that, um, you know, they had been one or two plays away and, and anybody who's watched Texas A&M knows that maybe they're not the number 15 team in the nation to start with. But at the same time, to, to go into that environment and to come out with a win um, and, and make plays late, I mean, Texas A&M had chances late in those games, and Mississippi State's defense made plays at a safety there at the end to close out the deal. So um, Mississippi State just did all the things that you wouldn't expect an inexperienced team to do. Um, and, and kudos to them. They're 3-2 and two now, and um, you have Vandy and, and Tennessee State on the schedule, so you would assume that that's five wins on your schedule. And now you look at the remainder, you got Auburn, at Auburn, uh, home against Kentucky, at Ole Miss, I is just crazy every year. It doesn't matter what anybody's ring. Um, uh, at Arkansas, who you know looks <laughs> looks human now after Georgia beat down on them, so it it sets up for a very interesting uh, rest of the way. And I think there's a good chance that when the season's done, and and if Mississippi State gets that bowl, um, and depending on how many wins they end up getting, 
this will probably be the game you look back on and you say, you know what, if Mississippi State loses that game at Texas A&M and they're on a three-game losing streak going into the bye week, it's probably a pretty bad season. This could be a chance for them to flip the script. It sucks that out of the bye week, it sucks for Mississippi State that out of the bye week they play Alabama because, like, you know, you're kind of rolling right now. You know, if you get it, let's say you're facing a team like Arkansas, who maybe might be, you know, depending on what happens this week, might be trending down. It, it's about who you, it's not about who you play, it's when you play them, right? So you, you want to be playing teams when they're struggling. It kind of, uh, it, it's tough for Mississippi State when you're the team that's playing well and you got to play Alabama. Not, I mean, anything can happen. I, I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, but I've been wrong every game this year. So maybe that's good for state fans to hear that I'm predicting Alabama to win that game. Um, but but the, the schedule the rest of the way, I mean, there's there's toss-up games left. And, and it's, it's a very far in between from winning, you know, the chance to win five games and then maybe eight or nine games. And, and it all comes down to how you play in those toss-up games where you're going to have to make those one or two plays again, like they did against Texas A&M. So um, huge win. It, it, it's just a huge win. It really sets, it, it just changes the entire trajectory of the season. Yeah, you know, you, you bring up Alabama, and, and I think everybody thinks that playing them out of a bye week is a best-case scenario. Well, I'm here to tell you that it is <laughs> Doesn't matter. evidently harder uh, than it looks. Uh, listen, uh, first of all, Tuscaloosa is an amazing place to watch a football game. Uh, just so much yeah. history. Same for, college, same for College Station. It's just outstanding. The environment around the stadium is great. They're doing a lot of construction around the stadium, too. That's, that's going to make it even more beautiful. But College Station is a cool place. Everyone was so nice. Um, so yeah, like I'll let you go on, but I figured that it was only fair that I chime in on that. No, I, I was, my, my dad is a big, uh, Bear Bryant fan. So I was sending him pictures of the statue and uh, all that stuff. And we got, you know, we got to walk around town and whatnot. Um, but you know, it, 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 it listen, it, it was a weird week in general for Ole Miss, uh, from the Michael Wilbon stuff, which legitimately seems like it was three years ago at this point. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, before the game, I'm not sure if you saw, um, Lane Kiffin's interview on CBS where he said, get your popcorn ready. And then just sort of walked off or ran off. Uh, yeah, I heard about it. Yeah. It was just a very like bizarre, uh, situation. And, uh, you know, uh, Lane was, he was certainly playing to win with Ole Miss and, and, you know, uh, I'm not sure how much of that game you got to watch, but they were going on for a lot of fourth downs uh, early, you know, five in the first half on that first drive. They went for it from the six yard line, um, didn't get it, went for one inside the 30, didn't get it, one for one in midfield and didn't get it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I understand that you are not going to beat Alabama with field goals. Uh, that's. I think we've all learned our lesson at that point over the last 15 years that field goals don't beat Alabama. And it's really kind of hard to fault, you know, Ole Miss for going for it. But I, I think people are, are going to, I think people were a little bit uh, taken aback by the aggressiveness. And, you know, I think it's, you're a genius if, if, if they work, if you go five for five on those fourth down situations um, or if your defense gets stops, but unfortunately Alabama is Alabama and they turned every turnover on downs into points, you know, that first drive, they'd marched 94 yards down the field. Like it was nothing. And then, you know, on the one inside the 27 yard line, they scored. And then they, they sack fumbled Matt Corral on the very next drive. And it was 14, nothing. And all of a sudden it was 28, nothing. And, uh, you know, then they score first touchdown out of, uh, out of halftime and it's 35, nothing. It's just, 
it escalated really quickly. Um, I think my biggest takeaway in that game was that skill positions, uh, you know, the, those can be as as, as good as, as they are. Um, and Ole Miss has some great skill players. This game was one at the line of scrimmage. Um, and a game like this is where you realize what separates teams like Alabama and Georgia from the Ole Misses, the Tennessees, the, the you know, the rest of the SEC. Um, I mean, they're playing the Shane Beamer, Shane Beamer rant. I wish we could just like insert that clip right now. (laughs) I know it it is really true though. Like, you know, you, you see, uh, you know, Evan Neal and, and just all these, all their defensive ends and, and out, you know, all these guys who are going to be NFL players, um, the depth and just the, the size and strength, uh, you know, I, I, I knew Alabama had a pretty good running game coming in. They always do. Um, but you know, Brian Robinson running for 170 and four touchdowns. Um, you know, I mean, he was really good. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, he had some pretty, he had some pretty good space to run through and, you know, Bryce young, he had a lot of time to throw. And I think in a, in a game like that, you really see the difference between, you know, the, the, the sort of hierarchy of the sec, what makes the Alabama's great. And it just kind of shows you, you know, Ole Miss, I think they're still going to have a really good season. They still have a lot in front of them. I think it would have been a pretty incredible if they had beaten Alabama, but um, it just kind of shows you if you are going to be a top shelf program in this conference, it all starts up front. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, you know, it's, it's, Good you mentioned that because that's what Mississippi State did against Texas A&M. They played really well at the line of scrimmage. The offensive line the past couple of weeks it looked really good, and um, the defense line did a, did a pretty good job of creating pressure and especially stuffing the run against a guy like Isaiah Spiller. Uh, that's pretty impressive to do. Now I, I caught some I caught some of the start of that Ole Miss game, and I saw when it was fourteen nothing. And you know, in my head, I was thinking, you know, if if anybody's got an offense that can you know overcome a fourteen nothing deficit real quick, it's Blaine Kiffin and Ole Miss. And it was about Right around when the when the Texas A&M Mississippi State game was starting, um, someone came up to me and said, "Hey, have you checked the score of the uh, Ole Miss game?" I said, "No, I, th- I thought it was fourteen nothing. I'll check real quick." So I Googled it, and it was twenty nothing. Like it, it had not been that long between me checking fourteen nothing and seeing twenty nothing. Um, that's just a reality of playing Alabama, I guess. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was a huge game for Ole Miss, and I know everyone's going to say, "Oh, you know, another team thinking that they're good." It, that was, I think that said a lot about Alabama. I, I, I've been high on Ole Miss in the past. I, I think they're a good team. I still think they're a good team, and I don't think losing at Alabama is a testament to that. I think it's just because of, I guess, the cockiness that maybe Lane showed throughout. Maybe it wasn't cockiness. Maybe it was just confidence, and you can't blame them for being confident. I mean, I, I will never you know, judge someone for, for being confident in them, themselves and their team, um, especially with the success they'd had this season. There's no reason not to be, but it you set yourself up to be kind of laughed at when, when it's all said and done. Um, but it, it's, it's gut check time now or for Ole Miss, you know, look in the mirror and say, all right, we lost this game. There's still a whole lot of season left in front of us. Um, got, got to turn it around. So it's, it's um, it, we'll, we'll see what Ole Miss is made out of these next few weeks. Um, what's their upcoming schedule? Like, I, I'm not sure. So they actually play Arkansas, who is also having a gut check. It's it's the gut check, right? Bowl this, this the time. gut check bowl, followed followed by the sicker bowl, and um, we had the sicko bowl last week. So um, I think the the uh, NCAA and the FBS should give us rights to naming these games because I think we've done a pretty good job the past couple of weeks. 
I have I have used the sicko meme more times the last two weeks <laughs> than I think I have in my whole life. More, which, more times the last two days. Yeah, which you know, I, I, I got home at like eleven thirty from Tuscaloosa, whole day watching college football. What did I do? I turned on more college football. Naturally, as you should. I did. Yeah, I drove from. I stayed in Houston just because the the hotel prices at College Station are pretty pretty up there, and. Um, by the time I got back to you, it was about 1.30 when I got back to my hotel. And the first thing I did was I turned on the TV and um, I don't even remember who was playing anymore. Who was playing on the West Coast? I don't even remember what game I was on. I, was like, uh, I had like one eye open. Yeah, so you're either watching <laughs> UCLA, Arizona State, or Fresno State, Hawaii. I don't even know. It wasn't either of those two. It was on ESPN. Why can't I think of it? Was Baylor playing? I, think, I feel like someone was wearing green. Maybe <laughs> it was Baylor. I don't know. I literally, I kid you not, like I was writing my like next day observations and I like, I had like one eye open, like the other eye, like, and I was like, you know what? I closed my laptop. I was like, oh, right, this is terminal. I got to go to bed. I was so tired. But there was, what, like you said, first thing I did was turn out some college football. And, um, I don't even need to watch it. I didn't even need that. Even, apparently, I don't even need to know who's playing anymore. I just need to have it on in the background. <laughs> just need to hear it. I just need to know it's there. It's ambient noise. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of Justify Your Existence. Again, it's the Daily Journal's podcast on Mississippi State Ole Miss, the SEC and beyond. You can check us out on your favorite platform uh, or at djournal.com slash podcast. Again, check out our Twitter and Facebook, Mississippi State Discussion with Parrish Alford, Stefan Kreischnick, and the Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz. Um, again, thank you guys so much for listening.